Welcome to Earful of Fantasy, the best damn fantasy football pod in the universe. We're live each Wednesday night on Facebook and available every Thursday morning from your favorite podcast service. Support the show for free stuff and an on-air shout-out at patreon.com slash earful. And be sure to hit us up throughout the week on Twitter at EOFantasy. Now, on to the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Earful of Fantasy podcast. My name is Liam Poach. Join with me, as always, my friend and co-host, Mr. Christopher Maitland. Chris, how the heck are you doing there, guy? Uh, fantastic. Can I tell you, I think we should change the name of the podcast to uh, Tight End Genius. <laughs> I mean, yeah. six, six, six yards between our the guys we told you to start like, last week. And funnily enough, uh, Matt Lacoste did better than Vance McDonald. So, Liam, I, I bow on your aura. Yeah, I mean... Not not gonna lie, I saw it coming, man, dude. Like I, I, you I didn't did. know. What to say. <laughs> you did. You are the. I mean, you are you are tight end genius A. I am tight end genius B. And that yeah. was proved this week. Exactly. Um. Uh, however, I'm 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 heading back to my normal uh you know fan club stomping grounds with my tight end pick this week. So oh, okay. more, more on that a little bit later. But, <laughs> <laughs> I think I know who it is. But uh, yeah, no. But anyway, to give you guys a little bit of background of the show, rather than rugby, me and Chris will be talking NFL fantasy football, along with other news and developments surrounding the National Football League. You can feel free to hit us up in the comments section during or after the show with any questions, news, views, and abuse, and also online where you can find us on Twitter at EO Fantasy and on our Facebook page, Earful of Fantasy. Also, look us up on your podcast provider right now and add the show because we're no longer on EOD's feed, so it's wicked important that you give us a like and a follow. So, Chris, uh, now that I've gotten that out of the way, we saw an early uh, showing of Knives <laughs> we, Out. We did. Uh, that's, we the, that's the big news. We did Ryan Johnson. We did. We, we honored him properly by going. We did, uh, we did not go to the early access screening on Friday or Saturday, but we did go on the official Tuesday night preview. So we still we still saw it before most people. So we're uh, officially not in the uh, bad graces of Mr. Johnson. No, Chris, I'm actually just like now noticing, like we didn't even talk about this coming out of the theater. It was, so me and Chris are on 9.15 showing, you know, moderately Wait, late, yeah. you know, moderately late for most people, but extremely late apparently for the person sitting directly on my left who fell asleep like 10 minutes in. <laughs> Did <laughs> I you didn't notice, notice that. that? No, no, I was too busy trying to try to dodge the melted candy in the middle of my, uh, middle of my seat to, uh, uh, uh pay attention to anybody's surroundings. I, I still can't believe so yeah chris sat like on the literal edge of his seat but that's you know to accurate. avoid a very dried and hardened piece of melted candy yeah that that's a sh- yeah a horrible job by the cleaning crew i mean somebody's got to get in there over the holiday and uh, clean that shit up because that, yeah. that was gross that looks that shit looked like it had been there for weeks no it make them wait till the holiday you make them wait till thanksgiving they have to come in at yeah. 4 p.m on thanksgiving and clean that shit up because that's yeah, exactly the- Exactly. Because neither me or Chris have ever worked shitty jobs, so we don't know anything about what happened to do. No. Being inconvenienced, coming in at horrible hours, no, not a thing. Yeah, we neither of us have ever done anything like that. So that's correct. So all right, anyway. Yeah, all right. So before we get so here's the thing, that's not even our official review of Knives Out. That's coming later in the show. No, that's just a little thing called teaser kids. Yeah, exactly. So but but to give you guys a proper rundown, we're gonna do our personal fantasy weeks. Uh, Chris is going to talk over some waiver wire targets, our knives out review, some hits and whiffs, stardom, sit em, and finally, final thoughts. So, Chris, <laughs> I just love that our knives out review is in the middle of a fantasy football podcast. Like, it's just sandwiched oh, yeah. right in the middle. Like, hell yeah, let's go. 
So, yeah. no, it, it, see, that's where the special segment goes, man. Like, yeah, exactly. You throw the special and, segment. And, and, again, and this segment will be especially special for everybody that's not named Liam or Chris. Yeah. I mean, boy, this segment's going to bring joy throughout the our listeners. Oh, boy. They've been, they've been geared up for this since September. <laughs> exactly. So, anyway, Chris, uh, Mr. I'm going to the playoffs in our league. <laughs> How's your fantasy week go? <laughs> I clutched a bye. <laughs> so, yeah, it went well. I'm I, not I, out I, of it, baby. No, I went to no. I and I told you this last week. You're like, no, I need to win out, and everybody needs to lose out. I was like, nah, dude. This league is a log jam under the under the top two and the bot and above the bottom two. Like you got about what eight teams fighting for fighting for four spots. Yep. So, so I mean, it's it's chaos. And you so, and you so, so and right you. Now, so right now, just 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 to explain this because like it really is that close. So. We we six people in our league go to the playoffs. Um, right now, six the sixth seed has a is at a six and six record. Seven seed six and six record, and I'm at five and seven. Um, in, in the eighth seed. So, but however, it's going to come down to point. I need both Sam and Justin to lose. I need to win, and I also need I I, I have more points accumulatively on the season than both of them. So, yes. I, so I need, so I, so I need both of them to lose. I need to win, and I need to score like a decent amount of points. Now, 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 Fisher Block, you're gonna clear no matter what. You're well ahead of him. <laughs> um, but Sam, yeah, Sam, I think you're like what, like seven or eight points ahead of him right now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so that's gonna be a little tough. So, uh, so like basically, even though the other spots are open, like the three and four seeds are basically decided just because of uh, one team is the third place uh, team is is seven and five, and the fourth place team is six and six, but has well way more points than everybody else is six and six. So those are essentially decided. But re- regardless, you're fighting for you're fighting for. T- there's two spots that are wide open at this point, which you usually do not get one week ahead of the playoffs. No, absolutely not. And uh, honestly, like this league has been competitive to the point that Frankie. I'm pretty sure his only loss is to me this year. Like, no, it was to me. It was to me. It, it, was, it was to you. Or, or, yeah. or no, I, I came close to him at least. Yeah. yeah. We have one person who's like, you know, uh, like Carolina Panthers cir- circa tw- uh, 2016 right now. Um, you know, one loss. But after that, it's like, you know, three losses, five losses. Our fourth place team is six and six. Yeah. No, it's madness. It, it's And my team at nine and three is like, it, my team is not, now it's not terrible, but it sure as hell is not great. Mm-hmm. And I've caught some breaks along the way, but then again, I'm, I'm looking around my. I look around the other teams around me, and I'm like, uh, my team is basically on par with these teams. Yeah, so it, I just it, had it, a few it, more lucky breaks than everybody else. Lucky breaks is it because because honestly, in a 12 man league, your your options for depth on the waiver wire are so limited, and you like, and you need to be looking for like you know like these one or two week wonders who are filling in for injured uh, filling in for injured starters. Yes. Um, you know, or even guys who are just like, you know, rookies coming up in like those first few weeks, you know, like Terry McLaurin is somebody that a lot of people, you know, they, they didn't take the risk on until week three or week, uh, week four, when they started to realize that he might actually be the real deal. Um, and unfortunately he hit a slump three or four weeks after that, like around week nine. Exactly. So, uh, personally I, I took, I took, um, I took Terry McLaurin, um, off the waiver wire after week two. So I got a That'll decent amount of yeah I, I got a decent amount of production out of him early on in the season, but there's some people who might have only got you know a, a decent three weeks production out of him 
because that's how much of a crapshoot fantasy is, especially with the especially with this rookie wide receiver class. No, and particularly when 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 that, that's the thing about twelve team leagues, there's waiver wire targets are so vital to success. So well, waiver wire pickups, I should say. But you never know who's going <laughs> to hit. Obviously, so you're you're sitting there, you're burning top claims, and you end up with crap. But occasionally, you can pick up a guy that will literally save your friggin' season or save your team. I mean, I can tell you right now that I mean, like even for me. Getting Dak Prescott off waivers after week one, savings. I drafted Jameis Winston and Josh Allen. Like, I understand quarterbacks are easier to replace than any other position, but Prescott has been a top five fantasy quarterback this year, and he has really, really helped me get through, especially the last few weeks when I've had Adam Thielen and James Conner out. Mm-hmm. No, it's surprisingly, um, he, he obviously fell off, and I've dropped him in the, uh, in one league. Jared Goff got me through the first few weeks pretty decently, not because he was yeah. throw, not not because he was throwing a ton of touchdowns or being ultra productive, but he just had yards on yards. Like, and so he, 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 he he's gonna have a he's gonna have a stat line that's gonna be more friendly to his legacy from this year than oh, I think than, than the reality was. No, no. If you want to look at empty empty stats, Jared Goff is your guy. Cause like he'll, he'll throw, he'll throw the ball all over the friggin' field. But then like when it comes when it, when it, when it counts, he blows it or tough matchups, he blows it. And, and well, here's, here's, here's the thing. I, I, I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. I just don't, I don't like to say he's a bad quarterback because he has so much skill. He has good touch on the deep ball. He does have an arm, like, you know, especially for a skinny lanky kid. But he's a weird quarterback to watch. He, he, he's a, he's a weird quarterback, but I think his ceiling is still wicked high. Um, you know, in comparison to others, like you know, even more, more even more so than Gardner Minshew. Honestly, the the problem with Goff is that he handles the, the thing. The reason I don't like his game is because he's incredibly reliant on McVeigh as one. But 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 I mean that that's that's one thing. So that that's not the biggest problem with him. But I think number two, he handles pressure about as bad as any quarterback in the league. He sees ghosts. He craps himself any. Anytime there's a rush. And obviously, if you're facing a good football team, particularly like just, just look at his division. I mean, San Francisco it has an incredible pass rush. Seattle's pass rush is starting to come together. Um, so, like, that's just not great. And anyway, when you face a team, I mean, I remember that game against the Bears last year when they, when they came to Chicago and the Bears just absolutely manhandled him. And Goff could not get anything going. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, on to on, on more specifics um, about the fantasy season, though. Chris, what do you. What have what what's been your biggest letdown of a position group this year? Like, what where did you go wrong in the draft? I guess, I guess in the I draft. Think. Well, yeah. all right, if you want to specifically go with keep it to Jimmy's league, I would say running back, simply because no, mind you, it hasn't been an outright disaster. I've had I've had far worse far worse situations unfold, but I can tell you, waiting now, James Conner first round. Obviously, at that point, all the top tier running backs that have made a difference in in first round at least were gone. I mean, I, I could, even Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb was gone. McCaffrey, all those guys were gone. I picked. I picked uh, seventh or eighth. So basically, I had my. I basically had my my choice. Elliott was gone. So I had basically my choice between James Conner and Le'Veon Bell. I took Conner. Obviously, Bell wouldn't done me much better. So I really that that is what. But where I regret is that I could. I waited till the fifth round to take an, a, a number two, and that was Philip Lindsay. Now, all things considered, Philip Lindsay has been decent for where I drafted him. However, I passed on the likes of Josh Jacobs. Uh, Derek Henry, who obviously has been excellent, and uh, who else went in the fourth round? There was another running back that went really that went in the fourth round that was that was that's proven to be tremendous. Now, uh, I, of course, I'm blanking yeah, out I'm, on who yeah, it was. Um, uh, um, Eckler. Eckler went way later. Eckler went way later. With the absence of Gordon, though, Eckler went higher than, you know, but still, he didn't go that high. He went like seventh or eighth round in most drafts, maybe the ninth. He he didn't go super, super high. No, I could could have gone. Montgomery's the opposite, was taken to. Yeah, now Montgomery is a guy that I'm not glad. I am glad that I missed out on. 
Uh, uh, yeah, I, I believe like, like third round. So, so like, like, like I mentioned before on the show, I took um, Thomas and Evans back to back, and Montgomery was my number three, and Sony yeah. Michelle so, was my number uh, four. And, I, and so, Sony's been probably the biggest letdown just because Montgomery's had games here and there, like you know, especially like in the receiving game, and he's had some scores. But Sony hasn't topped a hundred yards. Um, he hasn't, you know, and uh, and in the games where he, no, he's, uh, in the he, games where he scores, he doesn't top like sixty or seventy yards. It, it, Christ, it seems like he's got like thirty yards in a couple of those games he scored in. He's been no. There was that one game. I was against the Jets where he had like twenty five yards, but he scored twice and it completely saved his game. But but anyways, with the running back, because then when and with and with Connor out, I've had to get really, I had to get really creative for a while and desperate because obviously, like Liam said, all the running backs, all any like solid running back prospect was gone. So I I, tr- I trotted out Ballage and Duke Johnson and Ty Johnson and all these clowns. Now I was fortunate enough to get Jonathan Williams uh, off the waivers last week. He obviously so far so good, good performance there against the Titans last Thursday. So hopefully he can keep it up while Connor remains out for however many he said he's going to be still be out for a little bit longer. So we'll see how that goes. But I mean, I I really wish that I took another running back earlier. Yeah, same. Uh, like like last week. Oh, Chris Carson. Chris Carson was the guy. Chris Carson. Was there, the we guy. Go, there we go, baby. There we go, baby. Yeah, I mean, but but like honestly, like this week, my my running backs combined for eleven point six points. The only reason that I won at all was because Jarvis Landry and um was went off for twenty six points, and Michael Thomas was just good old Michael Thomas. Yeah, and well, but well, Mister Baker Mayfield. Throwing three TDs versus the it's uh the Dolphins. Amazing what playing the Dolphins will do for you. Yeah. But but you're underselling yourself there, pal, because you got you got the scoring bonus this week. Wait, did I? Yeah, you did because I came one point shy of beating you, but Tucker did but when the Ravens uh, didn't attempt that field goal on the when the Rams had twelve men on the field, mm-hmm. I would have got it if Tucker literally got a one more field goal, but he didn't. Well, in that case, I am owed some money from some somebody. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. So am hold, I. Hold, so hold am on. I still, Thank you. Yeah. So I absolutely so would have let that fifteen. To... Wait, what? I said so am I from October. Jimmy still doesn't <laughs> give me my damn money yet. Yeah. All right. So I could definitely use that, Jimmy. Hit hit me up. Uh, yeah. Me too, pal. From again, remember I'm Pilgrim Boy. I need I need cash. Pilgrim yeah, Boy me, needs cash. Yeah. I love how Mister like you know up our ass in the in the group chat about getting these dues in on time. Yeah, is, is, my damn money, Jimmy. <laughs> we know where you live, dude. I, I yeah, that's very accurate. Could walk there right after the show if I wanted to. You might be at work, but uh, it, it, it's, I don't know. Uh, actually, no. You, you usually one have left turn for me, and that's no, it. And he usually has Wednesdays off too. So I'm gonna be Jimmy. I will be visiting you at your home and uh, and uh, very very shortly. Yeah, man, I'm gonna go over and say say hi to Rick too, man. Rick's a nice guy. <laughs> he he has a he has a swell fella. I don't know I don't know him nearly as well as you do, but he does seem like a swell fella. Absolutely, great taste in music, uh, great taste in whiskey as well. But great anyway, hair Chris, also. oh, just great. a majestic mane, Ma- a majestic mane of unicorn hair that is just yes, a, like a '70s rocker unicorn. You're, that, you're absolutely that right. is could have been it could have been the fourth member of ZZ Top. Li- yep, li- lived with my dad all through the seventies, man, and God only knows what the hell happened there. I'm sure, that, yeah. Oh, I <laughs> fun. I bet fun happened. Oh, lots of fun. Anyway, fun. Chris, let's have lots Speaking of fun. Speaking of fun, <laughs> talking some waiver wire, wire targets. Wire targets. All right. Well, you know, kicking off. I mean, when when you think fun, I mean, there's only one guy you think of in the NFL. That'd be Cole Beasley of the uh, Buffalo Bills. Now, uh, I know you're thinking Cole Beasley. Not very exciting. I'll give you that. I mean, like the yardage isn't really great, but Cole Beasley catches the hell out of the football, and in the last uh, heavy target share there in Buffalo, four touchdowns in the last six games. 
So that, that, that that's pretty productive, especially for a guy of uh, the that plays in the slot like he does. Don't, uh, don't moving tell on. me about it, dude, because I feel like I sit Cole Beasley so often, and like you know, like the last few weeks I've started to wise up, but I sat him again this yeah. week. I'm pretty sure. So well, that's good. Twenty well, points. Well, that's too big because he had and seventy six. He had se- yep. Started he had Terry Mc- yards in the score. Started Terry McLaurin over him, and Terry McLaurin got me twelve points. Um, in this league, you know, yeah. which wasn't which wasn't that bad. It was that bad. Uh, so did, yeah, the, no, McLaurin, McLaurin did yeah, this good is garbage time. Yeah, not not our shared league. I, I shouldn't say garbage time. McLaurin McLaurin did pretty well on on task against Darius Slay. Good good performance by him. And the touchdown made a difference for uh, Beasley because Beasley only had about five or six more yards than McLaurin, but the, he got the score. So that'll that'll help you out. Right, but Beasley so, so, against so, so, so uh, not 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 to take too much time away. What do you think Terry McLaurin's ADP is next year? I would say fourth or I say ADP probably like late fourth, early fifth. Simply right, because uh, the quarterback situation is sketchy. I'm going to say I, I'm I'm going to say mid three. Honestly, I, I think there's going to be a rush on wide on wide receivers. I think McLaurin is incredibly talented. I think I, I think if the situation was better, he would be easily the best receiver in this in this draft class. I mean, All what right. I've seen from him has been remarkably impressive. But speaking of of fellow rookies, is my next my next guy the second person to appear on this list for the second time this season because uh, you guys didn't pick him up uh, the last time. That'd be AJ Brown down in Tennessee. Now he has been um, obviously the targets are not always there, and he is usually working as a vertical threat down there in Tennessee. But Ryan Tannehill is starting to get him the ball more, and he did have his best game. He's coming off the best game of his career last week against against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, One hundred five yards and a touchdown for him uh, last week. Uh, we got let's see. Yeah, like like I said, vertical threat. He's got a pretty decent schedule coming up, and um, he's definitely he's easily the best receiver the Titans have. So I I like what I've seen from him, and I think he's a good solid uh, WR five pickup. Um, moving on uh, now in the weekly tight end dart throw. Uh, welcome David Ninjoku of the Cleveland Browns uh, activated off IR. Uh, the Browns this past week. Obviously, he Freddie uh, Freddie Kitchens is not sure if he's going to play this week, but they have a very favorable schedule on the stretch, regardless of whether or not he plays this week. They got matchups against the uh, Bengals and Cardinals in Week 15 and uh, Week 14 and 15, so he could be a nice little asset uh, for you with, uh, in the playoff run. Um, keeping this uh, train or rolling, we got Rashad Penny. Now, how about Rashad Penny? Miraculously coming out of nowhere. To, uh, Come, and I, I love how you use the term coming out of nowhere for a first round pick, too. It's uh, like, yeah, no, who exactly the hell because, is this because, guy? Now, listen to this. He had, since week two, prior to this game, he had 22 carries. That's insane. I know, obviously, he was injured for a few of those games, but that's still ridiculous. Now, this week, all of Carson had the, had a case of the fumbles, so they put Penny in there, and he had 14 carries, 129 yards, and a touchdown against a very good Eagles rush defense. So that was very confusing, very unexpected. And expecting to give him more run after this, which is understandable when you blow up a very surprising, uh, a very good run defense. So, uh, yeah, Penny, I mean, again, do not ex- do not be a surprise if he goes back to being a complete turd ball. I mean, you, you got to take a chance on him. You got to take a chance on him. You, you and, know, uh, it, it, it's, just, it, it's just kind of unfortunate for Rashad Penny, though, that, like, um, you know, he got drafted as a, as a first-round running back on a team that already had Chris Carson. And Chris Carson, you know, uh, it, it you know, every, every team has like the veteran, you know, enter camp as like the RB one, like, you know, over, over the first round rookie to make the rookie earn yeah. it. But Chris Carson literally earned it over the rookie. Like, despite the fact that Rashad Penny, like wasn't necessarily doing anything wrong. Like, you know, he was showing, you know, good bursts in the preseason and stuff like that. By all accounts, he was good, 
you know, about coming into the film room and good, and, you know, good in the classroom and good in practice and stuff like that. It, it's just outshine him every step of the way. Exactly. And, you know, when you have somebody who's working for your game plan, who understands your system, you know, like why not give the rookie time to learn? I think Pete Carroll is definitely one of those coaches, you know, who has zero problem allowing a, rook- a rookie to learn without, you know, without listening to what the, the hype of the media is saying about it. And I also have to give Pete Carroll credit because he easily just based on the he could have easily just said like, okay, Penny's the first round pick. We're going to make him the RB one. But Carson had flashed a bit as a rookie before he went down with an injury. So I think so. The, the, that's why the pick didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to me. Because Chris Carson only played a handful of games his rookie year, but he looked really, really good, really explosive, really tough runner. So I was kind of surprised when they made Penny, when they drafted Penny in the first round. Well, honestly, when but, he got drafted, though, I, I think there was this sentiment that it was, you know, just he was merely the highest player on their board at the time and they couldn't trade the pick. I, I, I think I remember like like hearing something about yeah. that around that time. Yeah, well, because Seattle obviously does not like uh, does not like to take first round picks. They usually will trade out and and stack. They'll, they'll they'll go they'll go Belichick on the people. They're not afraid to do that. But they stuck. They 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 sticked and picked. They they went against their uh, usual script. There took Penny. I I still don't think it was a great pick. I mean, I think Carson's been better than him. And I think even with the fumbling problem, I don't think Carson's going to lose a ton of time. But we'll see. P. Carroll P. Carroll is, has been hinting at a committee situation and we'll see it'll be interesting to see how they approach that uh, against the vikings on monday uh, but last but not least another, uh, how about another running back uh benny snell of the pittsburgh steelers um yeah so jalen samuel is obviously pass catcher um and d- 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 does not do much as a rusher and with snell healthy they snell was turned into a, a kind of a bell cow situation against the bengals he had 21 carries for 98 yards had one catch for like five, so just over just just over a hundred scrimmage yards against a terrible run defense, and they got another. And who knows when James Conner is coming back? They have an incredibly favorable schedule down the stretch. So, include the, the Browns are probably the best run defense they play the rest of the way. I think they no, sorry, they got the Ravens like week sixteen. So other than that, but for, in the interim, the, the 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 they have a very very good schedule. And Snell, while he is not a very exciting or flashy back, will. He'll, he gets volume, and he's a whole hell of a lot better than, say, Kalen Ballage, who, who will do the same thing for you. All right. All right. You know what? What do you say we uh, we, we, we cover we, hits we and whiffs and start him? Yeah, we, 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 okay. we, we cover hits and whiffs and start him, sit him real quick, and then we'll get to the main event, of okay. course, which is the Knives we'll, Out review. We'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll backload this pitch with Knives Out. Okay, sounds good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So hits and whiffs, I'll, I'll start him off. Um, I told you guys to start Baker Mayfield. Uh, and uh, against the Dolphins, and lo and behold, he did well against the Dolphins. Uh, right. 300, yeah, 327 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, uh, 29 points in uh, 29.26 points in our league. Um, yeah, uh, Baker, so far, I believe it's eight touchdowns, one interception uh, in the last five games. So, yep. which is, yeah, for it, it's a, crazy. For, yeah, for a passer rating of roughly like 98.9. Uh, so, yeah, Baker. Is is Baker Mayfield coming back? Kind of lenient defenses in the last few weeks. I'll, I'll totally, I'll totally give him yeah. that. But here's the thing: uh, if, if the if the Browns, if the Browns w- like possibly win out, or even like you know, like, even just like one more loss, like on the season, that still speaks volumes about the team's ability to come back, especially uh, following the Miles Garrett suspension and the Larry Ogunjobi suspension. Yes, I mean, but, well, I think hold, was, was Larry Ogunjobi suspended? He was, but only for one game. Yeah. 
you know, but but regardless, like that that that's a lot of adversity, especially for a team that everybody's crit- like you know everybody's main question about this team was how are they going to react to adversity at some point in the season when they when they inevitably face it. And honestly, I think the team's been doing pretty well. You haven't had like a lot of stories coming out about anybody being prima donna. You haven't ha- heard about a whole lot of a whole lot of like locker room jar- drama. And I think Freddie Kitchens, you know, for some of his shortcomings so far on the field as a head coach, which you know there's always growing pains about. There's always growing pains in your rookie year as a head coach, especially somebody coming from you know a background where he literally never called a play. Um, you know, like like he on, on an NFL field last before. Year. Yeah. No, so, until Todd um, Haley until Todd Haley left, he was he did not call yeah, exactly exactly. I, I so I don't think there's been the level of drama on this team that uh, a lot of people like you know were expecting. You know, given all the large personalities it, in it, I I will give you that it has not been the complete dumpster fire that I I expected it to be. Um, outside of Odell complaining about uh, targets that one game, that was about it. That's really about the only drama that's come out of there. Um, it's Odell, however, man. I think that. Uh, however, I, I think that the Browns mostly ha- the reason this this turnaround has occurred is because of the schedule more than anything else. I mean, they got a nice win against Buffalo, so but I'll give you that. But like, I, I think it's largely schedule based. And, and Mayfield, well, I think Buffalo, May, I think that, that every- Buffalo's the best team this year that they beat. You sure there's not another team with an MVP that, candidate? They beat, that they beat Ravens before they before they turned into a monster. But, 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 same pieces, man. Same yeah, pieces. Yeah, but the the Ravens were not playing at the level that they have been. I mean, like they weren't playing at the at the literally kick everybody's teeth in. Shit, they weren't on that. They weren't on that on that wave yet. They did. They did start the season two and two. Granted, so, they did. They yeah. did. But and and look what they've done the last few weeks is absolutely dismantle. Uh, with the exception of the Rams, like good football teams, they killed the Texans. They killed the Patriots. They killed the Rams. We'll see if they, if they kill the if they kill the Niners on on Sunday, which I don't I don't necessarily expect. That would be bonkers. All right, well, and Chris, you, you know you know what killed me though was what would that be? Was whiffing on my man Hollywood Brown, Mister Mister Marquise yeah. Brown, cousin cousin of of uh, of Kanye NFL, Mister Antonio Brown. Uh, five receptions, forty two yards, two touchdowns. Uh, his second uh, career game with two TDs. Um, holy crap! Yeah. Mar- Marquise, I think Marquise Brown is the real deal, especially in the red zone. I think he's going to be a big asset for Lamar Jackson he, going forward. And a big reason why, honestly, he's been the MVP candidate that he is because uh, he's been giving Lamar Jackson this candidate, uh, th- this receiving target, you know, who with a pretty decent wingspan, like in, in, over the middle of the field, especially one who's physical, especially, you know, in the torso area. And, you know, obviously not the level of DK Metcalf, but he can still, he can take the top off a of defense. He can also be effective yeah. over the middle. And uh, that's 100%. exactly that. That's the that's the versatility that a quarterback like Lamar Jackson needs to be able to have because oftentimes plays are going to break down because he's not going to be reading the defenses fast enough. But he's just so darn athletic. He's going to get out of the pocket. He's going to want his receivers to make something happen. And Marquise Brown is a pretty instinctive person. Um, you know, just coming from the genes of that family. Um, you know, perfect. Perfect combination with him and Lamar Jackson there in uh, in Baltimore. It, it, it's been it's been a nice day. They've they've established a nice connection out of the gate. I think and I, everything I, you you just said I agree with. Particularly Mar- Marquise Brown, I mean, he can take the top off a of defense easy. The kid, I mean, his speed's impressive, but um, very very uh, diverse route runner as you said. But the only problem is him, is him with durability. He's already missed time this year. He missed time in college. He has a lingering foot problem. So it's really I think I think his trajectory moving forward is going to entirely depend on his health. Definitely. So tell us, uh, what is your, what is your pride? No, what is your shame no, this week, Chris? Tell me. Now, now you just, now you just alluded to, now I had a few, I, th- th- this was tough. Cause I actually had a few, my, my actually had a pretty decent week last week. Derek Henry had a great game. 
Um, Amari Cooper did nothing. So I, I, I had a few hits, but I ultimately went with because, uh, Jarvis Landry. Because that revenge game, man, you, you, you can't doubt it. You can't doubt it, especially when that uh, team happens to be the Dolphins. So, yeah, 10 catches, 148 yards, two touchdowns. Landry, I think in the fourth straight week he scored, I mean, I, I'd say arguably his best game of the season. And he continues to be – he's, he's, out, he's outshined Odell every step of the way this year, which I think a lot of people did not expect, regardless of how you felt about the Browns. He's the wide receiver one. You know, he, 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 can he, make, has been. he can make every single catch in the game. And it just does like I was saying with Hollywood Brown – we, he, you know, he's more effective over the over the middle of the field in the slot, uh, granted, but he's had a spare share of targets on the outside as the X receiver going deep, and he's come through on more often been. than not. And and Landry, I mean, obviously he he'll, he'll always the slot will will be primarily be his office, but he does have the versatility to go outside. Obviously, the so- size, obviously he's gonna get he's gonna uh, take more hits out there and and whatnot, and it's not gonna be the best in terms of size of the outside corners. But the guy, he's he's incredible. I mean, he's he remains one of the most underrated players in the NFL in my eyes. All right. And, and, all right. Who, and the, the shame. Now I mentioned the tight ends earlier and it is kind of hard to ignore a guy that got one effing yard like Vance McDonald. But I think McDonald was less of a surprise than the guy that I ended up choosing. That would be Matt Ryan against Tampa. Now Atlanta, it looked like they were finally turning things around. The offense was clicking. Uh, you have the absolute worst secondary in the NFL coming into to, to the Mercedes Benz dome for a showdown and then you go out and throw that friggin' turd out there 200 281 yards no touchdowns an interception and a, and a lost fumble and he got benched for matt fucking schaub at the end of the game <laughs> like that's just embarrassing man and i and i understand the defense has been a bigger problem for atlanta but like come on matt like that that's why that's why people will always like view you as a joke because he has a he has an he has a gift for putting together duds out of nowhere and blowing it in big spots yeah. Well, however, bench is is just one of those terms that like, you know, like I wouldn't say Derek Carr was, you know, benched for Mike Glennon. It was just kind of like there's well, there's no point in you staying well, out there right now. Well, I, I would disagree because obviously you can't deny that he was benched. It's just a different I, context. It, it, yeah, a, a different it, kind like of a, benching. It's not sit your yeah, ass exactly. down. It's just like, no, you know, it's not like you're not going out there week. next week. No, yeah. no, exactly. It's, it's not like you're benched. For good, it's just like get you. You got the hook, pal. You stink, or we stink. So get out of the game. Yeah, it, the Mason Rudolph got benched. Yeah, Mason Rudolph <laughs> got legitimately benched by uh, Duck <laughs> Duck Hodges. I just love. I love that. He, I just love. Now, see, I thought that was just like a fun, stupid nickname. I didn't realize that he won like some duck calling competition, and that's why they call him Duck Hodges. It's tremendous. Yeah, I, I, he, here I was thinking he was like an Oregon alumni or something like that. But no, nope. I don't know where he went. I do man, not know where Devlin Devlin went to college. That man is absolutely quackers, you know. And oh, okay, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be signing off now. Thank you. <laughs> um, that's that's terrible. But I mean, I mean, I mean, they need it. I mean, Rudolph had been as bad as any quarterback in the league this year. So even though Hodges is no uh, world beater, he he he's looked better than Rudolph. All right, in his time out there. So. One quarterback that, uh, you know, has looked up and down this season and is my first pick of the stardom sit section, Mr. Carson Wentz uh, versus the Miami oh, Dolphins. Boy. How's that for a transition? Oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty tremendous. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Carson Wentz versus the Miami Dolphins. Um, he's usually one of those guys who always looks for a bounce back game. Whether Doug Peterson's play calling, you know, will allow, will give him that chance, um, you know, remains to be seen. But I feel it in my bones, Carson Wentz. We'll have a good game against the Miami Dolphins. I hope so. I mean, is the game is the game the game's in Miami, right? Because they, they play two weeks two two weeks in a row in Philly. All right, so there, there probably won't be that pesky wind that has uh, been uh, causing him to airmail friggin' screen passes. 
He's no, because really the last two games in Philly against the against the Patriots and the Seahawks, he's had like several. I mean, granted, Wentz's mm-hmm. accuracy kind of varies at times, anyways, but he's had like a few passes, literally just like the wind just took them. Oh, absolutely. But but the thing is though, when he got drafted, one of the things that people were talking about, like he has the arm strength to throw in Philadelphia, you know, like during during cold wintry games. Yeah, no, and I will agree with that. But I think that's Wentz's strength. I think the I think is his short to intermediate accuracy is where he struggles. But I mean, great, his receivers have done absolutely no favors for him this season. <laughs> but but if you look at that Patriots game, look he he airmailed the screen pass to Sanders and then turns around and throws a bullet downfield under pressure that Aguilar drops in the back of the end zone. Yeah, that's Carson Wentz. He's a he's just he's a bizarre bizarre quarterback. Yeah, I I I don't know. Like a, a lot of people put that throw on Carson Wentz. A lot of people put that throw on Nelson Aguilar not tracking it. Aguilar uh, dropped it. Aguilar dropped it. I mean, that was that he was, was Wentz recording like a freaking broken skeleton inside it, of a it, inside it, of a trash him in the hand. dude. He had a hand. He had a hand. He had a chance to catch it. Yeah, it was but in his hands. It, it was in his hands, but his neck was at an eighty degree angle. Like, come on, man. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. <laughs> Contortionist. Be a contortionist, Nelson. All right. Anyway, I'm going to tell you guys to sit Daniel Jones versus Green Bay. Uh, that that Mike Pettin defense has kind of been one of the main reasons that the uh, the Green Bay uh, team has, has the record they do right now at eight and three. Matt Lafleur okay. <laughs> uh, still trying to get on strong showing last week. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, still trying to get on the same page as Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but by all accounts, it's getting better. But Jones, um, you know, yeah, I mean, but here's here's the thing. I've been noticing like. Aaron Rodgers has actually been able to call more and more plays at the line recently. And I think LaFleur has probably been making conce- concessions in terms of how this offense operates as a whole, because one of the yeah. big things is that like, you know, it's a pretty, you know, set in stone cadence when like, uh, into, uh, when you break out of the huddle, yeah. um, you know, it's but, kind of, but, what it, the whole point is just like, you know, receivers are supposed to be in the best position possible pre-snap, you know, in order to exploit the defense. Yeah, and but you you also you have to give Aaron Rodgers more freedom. I mean, like Matt Lafleur. I mean, like he's one of the he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league for the last decade or so. So I mean, you 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 got to trust him to call the freaking to make adjustments. You mm-hmm. just have to. Yeah, well, but, 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 but yes, you, you you think Daniel Jones is going to have a hard time against against the uh, Mike Pettin defense? You, I do. You think he's gonna he's gonna fumble a couple more times? <laughs> fumble. Have, have you seen a quarterback fumble more than Daniel Jones? Because it's almost remarkable how hard he has how hard of a time he has. Well, it, the ball. I mean, it's not the worst. You know, he hasn't made like the worst fumble in New York history, has he? No. If you're going to talk about single fumbles, no. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm talking about volume. I, I don't qu- quantity. No, no, I have not. Not, not at least that it's I can insane. consciously remember. Absolutely insane. I, I'm sure there probably has been though. You're, you're, you're probably not. Now I have not looked at the numbers, but it just seems like Jones is putting the ball on the ground at least once every week, if not more. Like four or five, like I think he's fumbled like two or three or four times in games. It's been it's been absolutely insane. Obviously, he's not losing all the fumbles, but regardless, he's put the ball on the ground at an absolutely absurd clip. Yeah, I mean, because e- even if you don't, you know, lose a lose a fumble, you're you're essentially losing it down. You know? So, oh yeah, a hundred percent. But I am glad that he fumbled in the reds and uh, his back with his uh, back to his own end zone last week. Thanks for the easy touchdown, <laughs> Danny Dimes. All right, now. Who are you feeling for stardom cinnamon quarterbacks this now, week? Now I'm going really on a limb with this one. I mean, hear me. I mean, quarter. So, so I'm like, all right. I mean, I mean, you guys, you might not want to take the risk, but I'm going to start a guy named Patrick Mahomes. Whoa! That's my pick this week. Now Mahomes had prior to their uh, Chiefs bye last week had an absolutely wretched game by his standards against the Chargers. I think he's going to be absolutely hungry as hell to 
get the stench of that game off, and he has a great opportunity to do it against a absolutely horseshit Raiders secondary who can't stop anything and just allows Sam Darnold to throw up for 9,000 yards and uh, and throw up for three touchdowns and run one in. So I think I think Mahomes will fare, and, and the game's at Arrowhead. So I think I think that uh, all signs are pointing to Mahomes having an absolutely massive game on Sunday. All right, and for your sit-em? My sit-em now. Now you want to talk about the the, uh, the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, Philip Rivers. So they're so they're going to Denver this week. Uh, earlier in the season, Rivers threw two picks at home against the Broncos, and then you have this week. Uh, no, sorry, and he's coming off of two games uh, where he threw a combined total of seven interceptions. Now. I understand that time to get right, but I just do not think uh, a matchup in Denver in that in that friggin' altitude in that stadium against that pass defense is going to be the uh, the remedy is a good remedy for Rivers getting it right for getting right, I should say. <laughs> I mean, it, it it does always seem that you know uh, I, I believe the uh, Philip Rivers has lost more games by by three or less points in his career than like. By far than anybody, I, I think I remember I'll, seeing this. Statistic I'll give you. Somewhere. I mean, the Chargers. The Chargers are a special type of snake bit because they're never like the worst team in the league, but they're always like the most tragic. Like they lose games they should win all the friggin' time. However, this year Rivers has been horrible this season, and he has contributed. Usually, it's like the kicking or something like stupid, like defense blows. Like no, like Rivers has just been putting them in really bad spots. I mean, seven picks in two games is insane, even by his friggin' standards. So, are you saying the 2004 draft class might be done? It, Perhaps. Is this the end of the road for like you know the that that fable class? Because right now it's seeming like it, it um, might be. Like, like 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 the 2018 class might be the next big thing. And that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. We'll see. How, we'll see how Josh Rosen turns out. <laughs> Josh just needs a chance, and I stand by that. I don't. Uh, yeah, he, he needs Rosen a chance, but needs he, to be put on a on an actual team with a legitimate support system, he, and not no. teams that are you know you know dangling oh. him for bait, or you know are oh. or or under or you know coaching administrations that are just doomed from the start because they're just you know waiting for a stop. I year. I, I will give you. I mean, the guy the kid has literally not played behind an offensive line that was not a dumpster fire. So yeah, I think Rosen has been put has actively put he's situations get, where he's, he's going to get David Card. He's Basically. been set up to fail. I think it's worse because David Carr, they, they have to stick with David Carr. I think Rose, I don't think Rose is gonna get another chance to be completely Aussie, which is sad. But uh Um, I don't know. I, I think he's I think he's a legitimate target for Bill Belichick, who you know really liked him coming out of oh, college. Oh god. Oh god, that would be that would be fun. That would be amazing. We'll, I, we'll see how that goes. I'd we'll see it. how that goes. He'll right. call Flores. He'll call have to call Flores at the end of the season. <laughs> All right. Well, one guy who uh, got got another chance is your stardom of the week for running backs. Yes, uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, against the uh, that the Bengals this week. Obviously, Bell has not been great this year as a, for a variety of reasons with the Jets' offense uh, epic and flowing with three different quarterbacks under center and their offensive line being garbage. Um, but if, if there's any game, Bell's he's been playing better the last couple weeks with Darwin under center, and the Bengals can't stop literally anything, especially uh, in the passing game. So Bell is the Bell is the, the type of two way back that tends to feast on that garbage defense that I expect him to have his first like truly amazing game in a sense again in a Jets uniform this week. All right, and uh, your now your sit him now I, directly cor- I, correlates with your uh, one of your waiver wire targets. He does indeed, Chris Carson. Now I said I did say I realized I just said I'm not um, entirely. Sh- I, I don't expect Rashad Penny to uh, eat into Chris Carson's targets. Uh, yeah. T- t- targets touches all that much but 
with PK's comments this week about how they're going to try to split the backfield, I'll throw that throw in that uncertainty around his uh, workload with the fact that the Vikings are a bottom 10 defense and allowing fantasy points from running backs. It's just a, it's a situation I, don't, I want to try to avoid this week. I would also, I would also not start Rashad Penny. So just avoid all Seattle Seahawks running backs, particularly with the vulnerabilities the Vikings have in the secondary. All right. Well, for me, I'm going to tell you guys to start uh, surprise, surprise, Nick Chubb. Now I don't expect anybody who is a Nick Chubb owner to, uh, to actually be sitting him at this point in the season. That, that, uh, like, correct. Like, yeah. Like we mentioned last week, um, you know, or as of last week, uh, he was one of three uh, running backs who was already over a thousand yards, along with Christian McCaffrey, and um, that was the other one, Dalvin, Dalvin Cook. Cook. Yeah, yeah, Dalvin Cook. You know, he was somebody that uh, somebody I know doubted very much heading into this season. Uh, however, I, I, I don't know who would that be, but, I, but they sound like a real dumbass. Yeah. Uh, however, Steelers haven't been, haven't been good uh, in terms of the run defense. They have a pretty good secondary, so I think the Browns are going to want to protect that Baker Mayfield stat line that we were mentioning a little bit earlier, especially with the addition of um, – God, I'm blanking on his name right now because it's still Minka kind of morning. Minka Fitzpatrick. But who has just been – you know, he's been amazing in Pittsburgh and Miami I mean, is stooges for giving him up. Sorry, four, four or five picks at this point. Stooges. Well, but how many picks do Miami have? I think four. Yeah, I don't know exactly. It seems like a hundred. <laughs> yeah. So uh, definitely Nick, Nick Chubb, I think is going to be the way that Cleveland is going to win this game. Uh, sit Rashad Penny versus the Vikings. Lo and behold, um, I, I think, you know, I don't want to call it a one week wonder, but like, like uh, we mentioned earlier on the show, Pete Carroll um, is going to, uh, head t- more towards a commit a committee backfield. I think uh, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. I mean, if, if you're in a deep league and you you know you maybe need to start somebody in a pinch, one of them is going to get like you know at least you know three or four points. You know maybe even five. Um, of course, now I'm just going to look like an ass if one of them absolutely goes off. But that you will. That you will. It wouldn't be the first time. It sure as hell won't be the last. Yeah. Uh, however, I, I think especially against a team like the Vikings, neither uh, running back is going to get a lion's share of car- carry. So definitely, just I, I don't think it's going to be worth it in terms of RB, uh, of an RB one or RB two. Uh, maybe consider it for the flex. Um, for wide receivers, now this uh, this guy is going up against a pretty good defense. However, I think in terms of the game plan that his team is going to be playing, uh, he's going to be relevant. Emmanuel Sanders uh, against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, again, like we mentioned earlier That's in the show. Yeah, Baltimore has one of the better uh, run defenses in the league, and obviously they have some pretty good corners on there, but I think the game plan is going to run through Emmanuel Sanders to keep them honest. Um, Obviously, they have Tevin Coleman, who hasn't been having that stellar of a year, but I think he's going to be able to balance out that game plan as well. Uh, I think Harbaugh is going to have a hard time against a play caller like Kyle Shanahan. I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to have a pretty good game, even against a defense like this, and he's going to silence the Jimmy Garoppolo doubters. Chris. All right, I'll be, uh, I'll, be, I'll be watching on Sunday. No, uh, no, me and Chris, we were lamenting about this last night. Uh, the quarterback for the the uh, Detroit Lions right now, Matthew Stafford, is hurt. The backup quarterback for the Detroit Lions right now, uh, Jeff Driscoll, is hurt. They might be starting as who? I think it was like Drew. I think his name's like it's. He went to Purdue. His last name is Blow. Literally, I'm like, it's B Drew. B B L O U G. Yeah. His name might be Drew or Dave or some shit, but his last name is Blow, which is just very unfortunate. Yeah, particularly so, beats the Bears. Yeah, so th- this is not a movie about the cocaine industry in the in the United States uh, dating no. back to the 1980s. 
No, um, no. Pee Wee Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee Herman, and Penelope Cruz and Johnny Depp are not in it. Oh, no. they're not. They're not on the Detroit Lions right now. I can tell you that right now. That's unfortunate. So, unfortunate. Very so, much so. And what's more unfortunate, I think one person suffering uh, from that is going to be Kenny Galladay. So sit him versus the Bears. I, I yeah, I agree. I, that, I, that that is not my pick, but I fully co-sign that. Um, now. Now, my receiver, so my, my stardom is uh, Julian Edelman against the Texans. Um, now, if you watch, the Texans secondary is banged up to all hell last week, and the Colts um, the Colts tried their damnedest to, to take advantage of them last week, but uh, Eugene was dropping balls left and right. Um, so I think Edelman will not have that problem. Obviously, his target load is absolutely insane, including the Patriots receiving core is not the healthiest right now, and Edelman had a good game in, in an absolute monsoon against a, a tough Cowboy secondary last week. So I think the uh, – there's a good chance that with a, a against a way worse secondary in a non monsoon situation that he'll be very 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 effective on Sunday night. And my sitem uh, is tied in with my sitem for quarterback Philip Rivers. Uh, so Keenan Allen, he had 18 yards against Denver in their first meeting, and if Rivers is struggling, I don't see how the hell uh, Allen is going to be able to get open uh, with Chris Harris Jr. shadowing him the entire game in Denver. <laughs> All right, now it's time to play a game of darts, ladies and gentlemen, Chris. Tell me about your tight ends. Well, now see after now see I'm now like petrified after Vance McDonald, so I'm going with about the uh, safest route I possibly friggin' can with a guy who uh, is a very known commodity at the position, and that would be Zach Ertz against the Dolphins. Now, Wentz's receiving core, as I just mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, is atrocious. There's no one he can trust. So, and against that Miami secondary, I think he's just going to feed Ertz early and often, and Ertz will have his second hundred yard game of the season. Wow. All right. Um, I mean, like Zach Zach Ertz, again, one of those names you're probably not sitting if you have him on your roster, especially in the tight end position. No, especially even even with Ertz playing, like having his worst year since like his rookie year, you're still playing him every week because even even like mediocre Zach Ertz is still better than friggin' say, I don't know, starting uh, TJ Hawkinson every week or friggin' I Dawson, Dawson Knox or whoever the hell you're gonna find Getting, off the scrap. Dawson Knox is like averaging like three points a game, bro. Yeah, but that that that, that still makes him like a top ten tight end. As far <laughs> I as know, exactly. So uh, yeah, I mean, like if you're gonna start Ben Broniker or somebody, like yeah, you might as well you might as well start Zach Ertz. Um, so right, sit him, of, yeah, your sit him. What do you have against you know broadcasters, man? I'm um, a, I'm I'm a commentator, man. I, I hate guys that pull rabbits out of their head. So that's why I'm picking Jason Witten. Uh, this week now, Witten had he got off to a decent start this this year, and he's and he's had his games where he's gotten he's been a nice uh, checkdown guy for Prescott. But against that really tough Bills secondary, I mean, look what he did. He caught, he caught one pass for like a handful of yards against the Patriots. I, I I expect even though the conditions will be better, I expect him to put up similarly blah numbers against a very very tough Bill secondary. All right, now for my tight ends. Th- it's funny. This guy was a total crapshoot, you know, dart throw for me weeks ago. Now, again, now one, of those, star. Yeah, one of those names you're probably going to be starting regardless of, uh, you know, uh, you know, if you have him and stuff like that. Ryan Griffin uh, versus the Cincinnati uh, Bengals of, of all teams, um, allowing the second most points to tight ends right now at the moment in the league. Uh, I, I think Griffin is, uh, you know, he, he just got signed to a multi-year extension. I think he's going to continue that role. And they love forth. him. That that role of report he has right now with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, you know, loved those reports about him going and hooking up with the girl right after the game because there's he's excited. Yeah, there's definitely he no wants to risk get mono in that. again. He wants to get mono again. Who can blame him? Yeah, dude. Like I mean, I mean like, he, they're still in the playoff hunt. He has to party. Absolutely. He Sam Darnold would have fit right in at Swampscott High School. There's you, no yeah. doubt in my mind absolutely. about that. You would have crushed there, man. 
What a crush. <laughs> yeah, I know a few people who probably would have had a problem with that. Uh, I want you guys to <laughs> OJ Howard versus the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. What? He's been a star this year. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars have, have, have allowed the third fewest points to tight ends right now in the league. Uh, yeah, OJ Howard coming off an injury right now. Cameron Brait, um, who has not have been having that big of a year, um, like you know, in in, perspe- in retrospective, but at the same time, he's been their kind of tight end one because OJ Howard has been coming off injury. Um, it's nice that he's getting uh, worked more into the offense, and it's unfortunate that Bruce Arians wasn't really using him a whole lot, you know, even before he got injured. Uh, how about this? Let's 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 make a trade between the Arizona Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. OJ Howard for David Johnson, straight up. I yeah. think that worked out for everybody. Yeah, that's right. Steve Kime and Jason like make it happen. I uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, Howard yeah. Howard Howard no, needs to go elsewhere. I mean, maybe maybe I, mean, I should just be the general manager for the Arizona Cardinals. Be. You should be. Once you once Dave, Dan Quinn gets fired, you can move on to that position. Mm-hmm. That that'll be a big <laughs> leap for my career. Yeah, exactly. As a, and, and, and yes. And, and, and well-deserved, if you ask me. Yeah. That'll be – you could almost say it's a total flex, which is the next oh, position God. group that oh, we're – you, you can why leave we, if you want. I'm sorry. Yeah, I should, why the hell did I agree to do a fucking podcast with you? Fucking <laughs> cornball. Um, anyway, so, yes, my, my flex situation. Now, I'm going out – it's, it's actually kind of hilarious because I have an Arizona Cardinal. Now, this is a kind of a risk situation, but I'm going with Christian Kirk against the Rams. Yes, the Rams have a tough secondary – uh, yes, I would be. I would not be surprised if he, this is my whiff next week. However, Kirk's target share has been tremendous since he's and he's finally fully healthy. And I think there's. I think there's vulnerable. I think the Rams are gonna are gonna literally full blown implode after that performance against the Ravens last week. So I think Kirk should. Um, he'll probably draw Nicole Roby Coleman or uh, Jalen Ramsey might be might be completely in his head. So I think Kirk's gonna. I think Kirk's gonna. I'm not quite that. Uh, not. He's not going to have that th- anything like that three touchdown performance he had against Tampa. But I think he should have a nice game. Maybe 100 yards. Maybe a score. And your sit-em. Like my, my, my sit-em is uh, Robbie Anderson. Now, Robbie Anderson had a good game against the Raiders. Yes, they're playing the Bengals, but I just don't think Robbie Anderson, I, he is way too erratic to trust at this point in time, even after such a strong performance. And actually, that's the reason I'm picking good because like, people are going to be all high on Robbie Anderson. Like, watch, I was going to kill the Bengals. Don't, I wouldn't be surprised if Robbie Anderson went out there completely face playing and got less than 10 yards this week, maybe like one catch. I wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm calling it right now. That's going to be your whiff. Uh, okay. There's something right, we'll in my bones saying like Robbie yeah, Anderson we'll is going to have two touchdowns. No, nah, I think it's going to be. I think it's gonna even be if the, it's like two uh, catches for 43 yards. You know, it's it's going to be two we'll TDs. You know, I, I, even if it's two I, catches for eight yards. I think it's going to be the. I think it's going to be the Love Bell and Jameson Crowder and Demarius Thomas Ryan Griffin show. Right. I don't think it's got. I think Robbie Anderson is going to get left on the sidelines, man. All right. Well, backstage crying. So one guy going up against the defense, allowing the most passing yards in the game right now, Brandon Cooks versus Arizona is going to be my stardom. I think this is going to be his comeback game, uh, you know, coming off a concussion. Uh, John McVay has been working him back into the offense in the two weeks since. Um, so, yeah, I think I think this is going to be the welcome back game for Brandon Cooks. Uh, one, one of the few people to have 3,000-yard season with three different teams, and it was consecutive to gone to an argument with my brother about this even Brandon Cooks I think is a great receiver I just think unfortunately he's been in a pretty 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 shitty position uh, considering the injuries and in the the way Sean McVay's offense has been operating this season yeah I I think that what makes I think that makes him honestly more I think that sells him more as a player I mean the fact that the fact that he's uh, yes great that he two of those quarterbacks are Drew Brees and Tom Brady uh, two future Hall of Famers but like the fact that he's been able to acclimate himself to three separate offenses in three years and, and be that productive is is very impressive. You're saying Jared Goff isn't a future Hall of Famer? 
I'm going to say no for now. I'm going <laughs> to go on the limb and say no. All right. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys to sit Terry McLaurin, uh, Carolina right now. Um, you know, in in the in the middle of the pack when it comes to uh, yard, yards allowed uh, to wide receivers. However, uh, their defensive front I think is going to give Dwayne Haskins a whole lot of trouble, Ugh. and so Dwayne Haskins might uh, might not want to be taking any selfies uh, after the game. <laughs> oh, not not even after the game. Don't be taking any selfies during the, during game. the game, man. Nope. They had they to put Case Keenum out there. I just love they couldn't find him during the victory formation. That was hysterical. Like, it, it, uh, what what a moment. Such like a millennial thing, dude. Like, way to make it. Like, well, here's the thing. Yeah, I, I don't think Dwayne Haskins is a millennial. I think he's Gen X. I, I think I think you're correct. I think because Haskins, I believe, is like 22. Or not, not, not Gen, Gen X. I mean, like Gen Z or whatever. They're Gen wild. Z, yeah. Gen, yeah, Gen whatever Z. Or the hell whatever, those, whatever. Those, 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 Gen X is like Gen X. The people in like their 80s. 40s right now. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, yeah. like Adam and Terry and uh, Tom Brady. Yes. Might be might be rocking the Gen X uh, jersey right now. So, yeah, sit Terry oh, yeah. McLaurin. I think Dwayne Haskins is going to have more problems than – you know, Terry uh, pro- probably is going to have against that uh, Carolina defense, but you know, yep. can't you can't get points if people can't get you the ball. Uh, Chris, what are you thinking? Correct. Or, and, uh, sorry, what are you thinking for the guys saying, with the legs? The guys with the legs. So I'm going with uh, one of the best guys in the legs of late, Will Lutz, again, for a second straight week. Um, he's gotten double-digit points three weeks in a row, and the Saints are squaring off tomorrow night against that garbage, garbage, garbage Falcons defense. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Felt, uh, for Fels. Uh-huh. Lutz to use that leg. And my sit is a guy that has been wretched. He, now, granted, he's been amazing in spots, but he has been really bad when he's not – like, basically, he either gets 15 points or, like, four, and that would be Matt Gay from Tampa. Now, you look at that game last week. They're playing in a friggin' dome. They're scoring nonstop. Gay missed three extra points. So I just don't – I just – like, I cannot trust that guy. Even in a matchup against Jacksonville, I just cannot trust him right now, and I would dump him fully. I did it. I did it myself. I dropped him for Zane Gonzalez, the one league I had him in. So I, I – just cut ties with Matt Gay. And just like and, – and if you see – if you feel a hot streak coming on, feel free to go hop, hop board the Gay Express again. But for now, hop get – get off. Get off. No fun with Gay right now. No fun. Yeah, time to, time to time to get rid of the gay man. <laughs> yes, this this gay. Yes, this gay has got to go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, for, for for my guys with the legs, uh, start Kai Fairburn versus the New England Patriots. Uh, as of late, the New England huh. the Patriots have it's pretty much the only kind of points uh, they allow to to uh, to teams that are you know slightly above out. Uh, sl- sl- I don't. I want to. I would say the Texans are average at this point. Deshaun Watson is an incredible quarterback. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is the best in the game right now. But the deficiencies all over that team put them right in the middle of the pack, talent wise. And I think that's going to mean a lot of, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of early on uh, f- field goals as Bill O'Brien tries to play a little bit more conservatively against his former boss. Uh, but. Um, is it, whoa, was that a big glass of vodka, Chris? You got to chill. Oh, yeah. it's only, it's only the, hammered, the middle of the dude. afternoon. Oh, man. Ah, yeah. It's, it's it's the Thanksgiving Eve special, Liam. So I have to get. I just have to get properly inebriated. Yeah, dude, on the you, air. You should have. You should have dressed up as Uncle Roger from Futurama, man. That would have been. Not, that's uh, Uncle Roger from American Dad. Sorry, who, who says I'm not? Yeah. Uh. Anyway, sit Phil Dawson versus the uh. uh Phil Dawson. What? Phil Dawson is the Phil Dawson is in the friggin' league. What? <laughs> who Who are you talking <laughs> about? Holy Holy crap. Uh, oh, what team? Zane, what Gun- team? Zane, Zane Gonzalez, oh, dude. Phil freaking- Dawson. Like, what? Was this 2009? Did I, did I 
fall into a wormhole? Dude, dude, uh, dude seriously, I was just, I, I was putting together this script. I, I don't know. I, I know that, dude. I know that. Why did I? I the worst, I literally just mentioned Zane Gonzalez. That makes yeah. it even worse. Yeah, dude. Oh, my, oh my God. God. See, that's what happens, ladies and gentlemen, when you're, when you're stressed, uh, sorry, not when you, when, when you wait to the last minute to do things and you're copying and pasting from the internet just to put a script together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. The, yeah. So, so, so no, the, the, this depth the, chart, no, the depth, the depth chart. He's here to sit Phil Dawson. Yeah. So like, yeah, and don't it, play it, him. He's retired. It, it was, it, it's not the official, it was, it wasn't the official NFL depth chart that I was even using. It was like a pro football focus thingy that like, I just had years ago. Yeah, exactly. So that's what happens when you're not using official sources <laughs> or old, outdated sources. Because honestly, yeah, it, was literally, probably, it probably was official. It was just not. It was just not for 2019, right? Because I, I probably would have called you on that if you had said that. Yeah, like, it's well, just, well, the, I, I was like <laughs> Phil Dawson. I'm like, I'm like, you okay? Like, are you yeah. a stroke? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what year is it, man? Shit, I don't. I'm all confused. Dude. Who, who are you gonna name drop next? Like, Alindo Mare? Like, uh, dude, I'm sorry. Like, because, like, as soon as, like, I looked, I, Jason I, Hansen? I, I, like, I re looked at the logo and, like, something was like, wait a second. <laughs> what happened to Zane Gonzalez? <laughs> but you he appears to have changed races and gained about 20 years. This is wow. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Wow, 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 wow. But yeah, don't, don't play Zane Gonzalez, guys. Liam is not, does not want you to play Zane Gonzalez against the, uh, the St. Louis Rams. That's right. That's who they're playing this week. <laughs> The St. Louis Cardinals? Sorry, no, the St. Louis Cardinals. That's what they're playing. Yeah, right now. I mean, like, that, that slate against the St. Louis Cardinals and the Houston Oilers coming up right now, man. Yep. It's... yep. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out for the Decatur Staley's. <laughs> and, and for the L.A. Chargers, uh, Mark, the Mark, Mark 1. <laughs> yep. Yes, please watch out for the Los Angeles Raiders as well. Very yeah. dangerous team. <laughs> Uh, in terms of moving on the defenses, and, uh, I hope this team is still in the league. Although, Chris, you're probably you're probably uh, wishing that this team wasn't still in the league at this point. Uh, but start the Chicago Bears versus the Detroit what? Lions. Whoa! Whoa! No, I, 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 I wish there was still. I would. I wish that I mean, they, as much pain as they caused me. I do. I'm, I'm glad they exist. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the, the, I mean, this isn't rugby. Nobody's getting deregulated for an awful record. Although that would be the Bengals at this point, man. They might want yeah, to go back. I, I was gonna say, uh, yeah. No. I was gonna say I don't, I don't think the Bears would be. I mean, I don't, I think they would they would still be in the league if there was such yeah. things to motion. T it turns out the Seattle Dragons are going to take their uh, their place for the rest of the year. The okay. XFL team that has yet to play a single game. <laughs> oh God, no! Tim Rattay is coming for Bischerisky's job. It's gonna be a real tragedy. Exactly. Um, and sit the Titans versus the Colts. Uh, Jacoby Brissett. Um, you know, one, one one of those really hard to play guys who's who's both mobile and has a really big arm. Um, and I think. Uh, the Titans are, are teams that are is, is is the kind of team to not be consistent in terms of their performances. So they look like a team that's trying to roll towards the playoffs right now. But something about that in my bones just isn't feeling right right now. And I think uh, th I think this is going to be the game where uh, the Colts stay competitive in the AFC South, especially in a really important matchup with an AFC they, South opponent. They they do need it. I, I think I think the coaching advantage will be key in that game. I think Frank Frank Reich I, I think is will I uh, will will be will get a nice chess match with Mike Vrabel and win. 
So I, I'm with you on that. Um, no, so for me, my defense, uh, stardom, and I, I hate this pick with every fiber of my being but because they've been horrible of late, but I'm going with the Panthers against the Redskins. I mean, the Redskins' offense is pathetic, and Carolina has been has been one of the has been has really cooled off after a hot start. But I mean, I think Haskins after that friggin' uh, this just display of absolute like stupidity last week. I think that offense was lucky to win that game against the Lions, and I, I think the Panthers are going to kill them, and the Redskins are not going to be able to gain a whole hell of a lot of yards. I think Haskins will turn the ball over several times. He'll take a, he'll take a handful of sacks, and it'll just not be a, a strong performance for the uh, the good old skins, even against the defense as blah as Carolina's. And my, uh, my sit-em this week is the Jaguars. They've also been really bad, and they do have a, a decent get-right spot with Tampa being a turnover machine, but Tampa's also very, very explosive. And as Tennessee showed last week, that Jacksonville defense is very soft and can be attacked from any and all angles, passing, rushing. And I think Tampa can – well. I don't think Tampa I – mean, even though they are coming off a good performance, I don't think they're going to completely implode this week. So I think it's going to be a bad, bad spot to start Jacksonville despite that the fact that it is a very uh, intriguing matchup. All right. Are we done talking about football now? No. Yes, we are. <laughs> All right. So this isn't the end of the show because, like no. we said at the beginning, me and Chris last night went to go see Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson. Simply phenomenal film. Written and, and, just, directed. Yeah. Written and directed by Ryan Johnson. Don't Written forget and directed he also by Ryan Johnson. Movie. Simply a phenomenal film. Um, yeah. It was It was excellent. It did, it, it did live up to the uh, very lofty expectations we placed upon it. So I will say that they, one one second while I let the do- my dog out of my room. No, don't do it, don't do it. So yeah, Ryan Johnson, cool fella. Let me tell you, I, I would say in terms of uh, yeah. So for for people who are unfamiliar with the film, Liam, say it, it, it's a it's yeah. a who done it's a who done it to put I, it simply. But not your classical who done it. It, no, it as, begins as, like your classical whodunit. As the advertising said, it's a whodunit like no one who ever done it, or whatever. The like no one who ever done it. So, yeah. w- without giving away too many spoilers, people have this perception of of a, of a whodunit, much like they have this perception of heist films. You know, of, it's of course. you know, like it's a, like whereas the heist films have assembling the crew, it, um, you know, uh, like the, you know whodunits have like you know assembling the suspects. There's and and Knives Out, you know, has does have like a like a lot of those elements like you know of course uh, obviously obviously there's like there's there's classical character establishment you know classical establishing of motives and uh and and whatnot the narrative however takes a turn in a way that it does a few things yeah it 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 It, rips the it rips the foundation that you thought you were building about where this film was going completely out from underneath you and you find you find you're trying to rebuild that uh like you know like, like you know, rebuild that perception of what this movie is going to be. But this yeah. movie at that point is already taking you for a ride towards the middle of the second act. It, it, it's weird because honestly, I think it subverts expectations. It subverts the genre, like basically out of the gate. Cause basically who done like, usually there's like 15 minutes or 20 minutes of buildup before the death happens. The death happens literally immediately. They show you the death, like fr- from the get go, then they do the typical, like interviewing this, introducing the suspect situation. And then in a very interesting move, they reveal the killer about 30 minutes into the movie. And well, show you the that, exact That's a scene. spoiler and a half, man. I, no. uh, Not really. I didn't I said they reveal the killer about 30 minutes in. I didn't tell you who it was. I'm just I, I'm just I'm saying how it subverts it. Alright, I I, I I I guess, but yeah, but I mean like so like so yeah, it, it throws you for an absolute loop 
Um, like, you know, in, in that regard, uh, you know, like, like by revealing, like by, by revealing who the killer is, but that's this part of the ride is because, you know, like, like much like in real life, like the circumstances surrounding anything are a lot more convoluted than just the act itself. And I yeah, think, exactly. you know, in, you know, and I think Johnson did a really good job about, you know, kind of, you know, establishing like the, how these characters' lives make them made them such imperfect people. You know, who all, you know, uh, who who are just naturally distrustful of one another. You know, and they, he kind yes. of like, he, he did a really good job of portraying the you know the dysfunction that people have come to associate with. Uh, you know, like high like the high bourgeoisie, especially of of New England. This movie was taking place in Massachusetts. I didn't even know yeah, well, that. They, they, they filmed it here too. They filmed yeah. it on South Shore for the most part. Yeah, no, and uh, of course, uh, Chris Evans is uh, from Canton, Mass. I believe. I believe so. Yes, he is from he is from somewhere in that area. Yeah, so so somewhere like not not South Shore, but kind of like that meaty, like you know, like 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 you know, knuckle of the lobster right there. Yeah, the whatever like fog, whatever the hell that area is called. I don't know. The, I, the, 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 the Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll I'll go with that. <laughs> but but what I what I I thought that the, the acting the acting I think is being undersold in this movie, and I will say I think this is a star-making performance from for Anna de Armas, who has kind of come out of, like, I, I would say, I'm stunned at how, because the first movie I saw her in was called Knock Knock, by with Eli, directed by Eli Roth, that was a fucking terrible movie. And it, it made about, it, it, it cost about $5 to make, it made about $5, Keanu Reeves is the lead in it. And when I saw her in that, I was like, I was like, okay, who's, I don't know who this woman is, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to see her again. And then slowly she started turning up in like more and more mainstream Hollywood productions, uh, War Dogs with uh, Miles Teller and Jonah Hill. She was in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and and she's and she's about to be in the new James Bond movie. So her career has taken a very upwards uh, swing, and I think this is the first time where I've been like, wow, like I can now like fully understand her, the, the depth of her talent. And I think really at the end of the day, this is every bit as much of her movies as it is, say, Daniel Craig's or oh, Chris Evans. Yeah, it, it it definitely is, you know, and you know, as, as like you know the, the female like uh, as, as like the female protagonist, you know, she was a lot more she's she's a lot more complicated complicated in this movie as, as your typical protagonist because I don't know how, I don't know how to talk about, about, about I, I, it's yeah. hard to dance around it without giving yeah. up the movie. She, she, but it, she's a lot more complicated than than your than your average protagonist, especially but, you know one who's like you know portrayed in a lot of ways as kind of like you know a. a like 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 a brittle female, but like you know, but obviously you 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 learn in the end like she is not this you know this weak you know like little nurse aide, you know she's no, very much and, you know a very and, independent thinking woman. Um, and and, and, it, a, and here's the thing about this acting, you know, more more, more so on that point, it, it's very much character acting. You know, I, I think you know um, like yeah. there, there's certain films that try to adhere uh, like you know to an aspect of realism, like you know so much so that they sacrifice a lot of what makes movies entertaining. I think that's what makes Quentin Tarantino such a talented director because he doesn't care that you know that you're watching a movie. You're going to the movies to be entertained, and I think Ryan Johnson yeah. kind of took that uh, and took, took that that same idea to this movie. You know, there's obviously very silly parts. You know, it's uh, there's obviously like a big you know comedic aspect uh, to it. Like you're not going into this movie. Don't go into this movie thinking it's just going to be like a classical mystery. You're going to laugh. Like it's going to be some hilarious yeah. moments. I think that I think the previews made that pretty clear. Um, but you know, you got to take it for what it is. Like, you know, it's it's an it's a it's an entertainment piece that is just wildly smart and wildly entertaining. Yeah, and, and also it's interesting because at the end of the day, like because it does like subvert the like typical whodunit uh, structure, but at the same time, it also it also adheres to it to an extent. I think it does a good job of blending the new new elements with the classic elements. 
And I think we haven't seen a movie like this in a long time. I mean, I think the last who done it period that came out was murder on the Orient express. And it's interesting just to watch this whole, the whole, like, cause again, as I said, like you find out, you find out like what's usually the big reveal is, is revealed pretty early on, but clearly like watching how the rest of the story progresses from there is interesting because you know, that's not the whole thing. Ryan Johnson. I mean, the movie's too clever. The movie's too, the movie's too sharply written to be like, that's it. And the big, big reveal at the end, like the true, when you get the whole scope of what happened, that movie really, really, when you look back on it, it really sinks. Cause that's what I, cause like, I didn't know. And, and like with any mystery type movie, like I don't really judge it until the end. Mm-hmm. Cause there were times in the beginning, in the beginning stage, like Liam said, that I wasn't like completely like in love with it. There were a couple things I'm like, I'm like, where the hell is this going? Like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not really so sure about this, but then when it all comes together in the last 15 minutes, I'm like, shit. That like, was like, and it was and, and like any good mystery. It show, makes I mean, sense. It, like, it, like exactly. it, there, there wasn't any abundant leaps. Um, like, like, you know, like, I, I, I guess you should say. No, no, it is, it is strangely grounded for a whodunit for this type of movie, which is interesting because yeah. you don't usually see that because it's usually like completely preposterous when you get to the end. You're like, oh, what the hell? Like, like, like not, not that it's not fun or entertaining. Like, I have no problem with that. But you're, the time you're like, oh, like, how the hell did that happen? But like this, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, okay. Oh, all right. Then, like, like each 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 thread comes, each thread like it, it, the, the, each piece of the puzzle comes together. And you're like, all right, okay, I see how that happened. Oh my god, how we got there and X Y Z, the other thing. You know, it, it like you know things turn out to be a lot more simple, but still overtly complicated in a way. Oh, they are, and and again, and I will say the final shot is just beautiful. Oh, oh my god! Oh, is it great? I, I loved it. it it's tremendous. Th- there, there's this. There's a piece of dialogue that leads you to believe, you know, there's going to be some other, you know, uh, resolve. But the final shot is just like, ah, yeah, nah, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> no, because the interesting, because the thing, the thing that is, what makes this movie work. At the other day, I, I say a big part of the reason why this works, in addition, besides the actual mystery aspect, is the whole dynamic between. Anna de Armas's character, as you said, she's the she's the nurse for the deceased character, Christopher, Christopher Plummer, the, the the deceased patriarch of this family. So the whole dynamic between her and the family that he left behind is fascinating because it, these people, I mean, they're a wide collection of characters. I mean, obviously, there's some people characters that are more empathetic than others, and because there, there's some characters that are just flat out a holes and they don't really change throughout the entire movie. Like they're just they're like. And it's just interesting to see how each member of the family treats her and how she treats them and how they view her. I mean, obviously they include, I'm not going to, and again, this shouldn't come as a too much of a surprise. There's some, uh, there's some uh, not, uh, pretty overt political elements underneath all the mystery. Oh yeah. No, I, and I, I thought I, that again, was the funniest part though. There, yes, there was some pretty fantastic stuff because uh, J.R. Moss's character is an immigrant and she obviously is working for this, uh, family that is of this very very wealthy uh dynasty dynastic family so obviously it takes shots at how these people view basically how these people their entitlement and how that shapes their worldview and whatnot and also basically and then just like what happens when the money could put basically what greed will get you and how the threat of things going basically of your the life you're accustomed to going away and how that makes you react and all the self-preservation and whatnot. And the, the true colors that come out when your world is threatened. When your ancestral home is threatened. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I will say I would have to give a special shout out. Like, obviously, this movie is mostly, I mean, as you would probably suspect, it's mostly Daniel Craig, Ada de Armas, and Chris Evans have the most screen time. But very, very good supporting cast, dude. Don Johnson, ab- absolutely fantastic as like the sleazy uh, father of Chris Evans' character, the, uh, the, the, uh, basically the son in law of Christopher Plummer. Uh, who was Jamie Walter? Lee Curtis? Again, uh, the guy who played Walter is pretty famous. Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon, there we go. He was terrific. Um, you know, Catherine Langford, who's on 13 Reasons Why, was in Love Simon, plays the uh, plays uh, the daughter of the uh, there's a there's a, uh, a, a there's a, a deceased son that you that was only mentioned once at the beginning of the movie. And his but his wife and his daughter are still heavily involved with the family. I should say his, his widow and his daughter. Uh, Tony Collette plays the widow. She's great. She plays like this. She plays this basically. She she's like an, an Instagram influencer who's like, and that's terrific. So it takes shots. It takes shots. I, I should clarify this with the political. It takes shots at people on both sides of the aisle. So don't go in there expecting some like propaganda piece because there are blatant shots at both people, which I I think as it should be because there are plenty uh, um plenty of reasons. Uh, again, not the reasons that the uh, Trump people uh, go for, but there are plenty plenty of things to make fun of the liberals over, mm-hmm. and this movie does it. It makes fun of a very specific type of liberal, and I laughed a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, he, 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 as a PC liberal myself, I, I thought it was quite hilarious. And like you said, like it's it's not going after you know the like the the important like, issues on either side. It's going after no. like it's going no, after no, the no. people that both sides do not want you know represented. Yeah, it's it, who exactly? Are, no, exactly. It's the yeah, exactly. It's the people. It's the the people at the at the top. Basically, the people who are the most vocal on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how they're clowns. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, I, I think that just about wraps it up for our for our knives out uh, shtick yes. on this yes. show, dude. Like, yes, I. I well, who knows? We we might go just tell people to go see it every week. It's out because it just came out. Oh, it just came out. Uh, sorry, and, uh, I didn't mean to imply that we were done with Ryan Johnson and Knives Out no, completely, no, but no. we're done. We're done with our review segment of. But uh, yes, I think we both thoroughly enjoyed it. I think we both. I mean, I, I mean, it lived up to. Actually, I would say it exceeded my expectations. Same, same. I, and honestly, like, there was a part of me that was completely ready to like to have an episode of the show where we were like, so yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> We, we, we always had a breakdown. We just all cried. Yeah. But, and I'll say one last note, though. I'm just glad. Ryan Johnson, please do more original movies, man. Because yeah. I, I, I think your Stay two best projects Star Wars are. Franchise, man. Just, just like, because again, you know, I'm saying, like, I think I think being a part of Star Wars is it is holding back your creativity. Because between this and Looper, I think your two best movies easily. And I, I just, I, again, I just want you to do more original projects and hopefully Knives Out will do well and will grant you the freedom to do that. All right. Well, if there's nothing else regarding football or Ryan Johnson, I'd like to thank you folks for listening to this episode of Earful of Fantasy. Remember, you can usually catch us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time here on Facebook uh, due to some scheduling conflicts uh, around Thanksgiving. We have to do it uh, right now on Wednesday afternoon. So you can also catch us Thursday morning via your favorite podcast provider. Speaking of podcast providers, make sure you use it to subscribe to the Earful of Fantasy podcast and whatever that provider may be, as the show is no longer listed in ear in Earful of Dirt's normal feed. Uh, while you're at it, make sure to give us a like on Facebook, where you can have the most direct interaction with me and Chris, or on Twitter at EO Fantasy. So thank you, folks. May the fantasy gods be kind to you, unless of course you're playing one of us. Bye. Go see knives out. Go see Knives Out. Absolutely. You've been listening to Earful of Fantasy on the Earful of Sports Media Network. Be sure to tune in next week. We're live each Wednesday night on Facebook and available every Thursday morning from your favorite podcast service. 
Support the show for free stuff and an on-air shout-out at patreon.com slash earful. And be sure to hit us up throughout the week on Twitter at EOFantasy. Until next time, check those trades and watch them stats. 